Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. Yo, yo, ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a double. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. It ain't safe, it ain't safe, motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome <laughs> back to the weekly scraps. <laughs> uh, we got episode 212 right now. It's upon us. Um, this episode is actually sponsored by DraftKings. Use my promo code for new customers only, Aljo. And get yourself free bets. I think it's two hundred dollars in free bets. That was a promo code we were using on my IG page, so it should be the same. I, I think bet five dollars, win two hundred dollars in free bets. Aljo, thank you, DraftKings. You the real ones. <sighs> wow, crazy. Yeah, I have a huge announcement. What's that? I'm officially a martial artist again. Wow. How's this? How? Wait. I just took a jujitsu class like mm. an, a couple hours ago. So Aljo and I have a. Um, a long-standing twelve-year bet. I'm texting the chat right now. What's the chat? Limpy D. Oh. So our bet is that <laughs> in twelve years of me training, him and I are gonna face off in a jujitsu match of sorts. Uh huh. And I think I can beat him because hear me out. I'll be like two ten lean. If you can even call it a match, but go ahead. Two ten lean. He'll be like 170 kind of fat. Older. Old as hell. Like, how old are you right now? I'm 33. You'll be 45 in years 12 years. years. I'll be 33 in 12 years. Uh-huh. And I'll have 12 years of jiu-jitsu experience. I'll be the bigger guy. I'll probably be a black belt. And you'll be old black belt. and washed. Well... If you've been paying attention to Glover Teixeira, you'll realize, like, age is nothing but a number. Yeah, but that's for big guys. I'm a big guy. Yeah, huh. Not me? Okay. So, Aljo just... <laughs> yeah, tell the guys what's up. Um, I'm back. We're not, we're not going to do the odds, this this one. We normally do the odds with the DraftKings sponsor, but we're not going to do that. Um, what are the odds in 12 years that I beat you? I'm going to say... You're probably a plus two thousand dog. Oh come on! Yeah, in twelve years. In twelve years, bro, you're gonna be sitting on your couch in twelve years. You know how old Matt Sarah is? You know what he does to these young bucks? He destroys them. You see how small he is? Okay, He's but take man, take someone but... who's been doing it for twelve years and is way younger than him and bigger than him. Yeah, you know Edwin, big black. But he, you, you want to see what he does to him? He's not as good. He's not as good as I'm gonna be in twelve years. Oh, at jujitsu. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, there's only one way to find out, and time is undefeated, and I'm going to have to show you. Yeah, so, so time is ticking for you, you old man. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious when you're like, how the f- how the hell do I still lose to this guy? You're old, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I know, and I'm jacked. In 12 years, I'm going to be fucking this guy up in pool, definitely fucking him up in ping pong, and probably fucking him up in jujitsu. That actually doesn't hurt today. Normally, it was hurting when I flexed his arm. Have you been training? No. But doing PT. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly what you told the people you were going to do. This one's an ox, though. Guys, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, I don't really have much of an update, hopefully by the end of this week, which means next week's podcast will have an answer seeing what we're going to do or somewhat of a date. So definitely tune in for that. Um, let's just get right into it. UFC, was it, 283 to versus Hill. Um, to share trying to get his belt back at 43 years old. At least that's what it says. He's 43 years old. Jamal Hill looking over here. He is, I think he's in his 20s though. He's 31. I lied. My wow. man got six kids. That's crazy. I was watching the UFC countdown. My dog, my dog need this for them kids. He does. Kids got to eat. Hey, you got to put some food on the table. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sweet dreams. <laughs> Shoot. Oh my God. That's crazy. When I saw 40. that, I was like, wow, yeah, my man, he needs that paper, dog. Glover already got his pay-per-view payday. It's time for Jamal Hill. So he won the belt, challenger pay. He fought for the belt twice now. He won the belt. This is his third time fighting for the belt. He won. He fought for the belt against John Jones, came ashore, so he got challenger pay, which I'm going to argue is probably four hundred to 5000 flat, and that was like seven years ago, six years ago when he fought John Jones. Okay. And then... He battled his way all the way back. I know he had like a couple um, stumbles here and there, but it came back. Now look at him. He fought again for challenger pay. I'm pretty sure he probably got more because he's more popular. Um, so he probably got a higher pay against um, Blahovich. He beats Blahovich, so he gets pay per view points when he fights Jiri Pachowska. 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 Yeah. Pachowska. Jiri. So with, with that being said, now he's fighting for the belt again. Vacant, so he gets that challenger pay again. So Glover's been—he's he's he's doing pretty good right now. He's, he's in his bag. Good right now, Glover. You do your thing, dog. He's peaking. So now we got Jamal Hill. Now this one is fascinating to me because Jamal Hill. Um, now he's the homie. I don't mean no disrespect, but when you look at him physically, you wouldn't think he was like, like, like as talented as he is. A stud athlete. Yeah, because he's yeah. not like—he doesn't look like a physical specimen. He don't look like Francis and Gano. He don't look like, um, not even me, because I only look like this during during fight camp. Um, who who could I even point to? Um, Ala Hassan. Me. Razak. Who? <laughs> Razak Ala Hassan. He doesn't look like me. Joaquin Buckley. He don't look like those guys. I just named all black people. I need <laughs> I need a Jack um white dude. Now I'm, he don't look like Conor McGregor right now. You know what I mean? Conor's a Jack white dude. It's kind of Jack. Because he's on. Yeah, but he's jacked. I'm even when he even when he was wasn't on Brock Lesnar, that's a Brock Lesnar. But yeah. even on that, I'm just saying like he he doesn't look like one of those guys like a straight up ninja. But then he gets in there and he just claps these guys and sweet dreams, baby, puts them away. And we were watching the countdown and seeing how he knocked out Johnny Walker was just one of the craziest knockout finishes. It's just like. Like, the way he fell was just, like, wild. Yeah. That's, like... They showed it, like, four times. Uh, yeah. It's scary because it's the way he kind of stiffened up. I mean, people talking about my knock. My, I went limp, and I just went timber. Your arms kind of straightened. My arms didn't even straighten. They just stiffened. That's the weird thing. And they just went... I just went down. I landed on my head first, and then I woke up in the hospital. like, And I was like, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's the scariest part. I woke up in the hospital and I knew I was like, I got knocked out, right? Yeah. Damn. That's when I came to my senses. Thank you, Marlon Marais. Let's never let that happen again. Thanks for coming. Um, 
I didn't have a headache, thank God. I didn't drink that day. I didn't. I don't think I drank the next day either. I think I took two days off of drinking, and then uh, I drank after that because I was sad. <laughs> sad. I wasn't like super sad, but I was sad. Like, ah, oh, well, and there was nothing else to do. It was like, we train, we get this big climax, and then after that, it's kind of like, well, what do I do now? My job is pretty much over for the next yeah. few months. Yeah. Because I didn't fight again until April. But going back to Hill, like, seeing that knockout was nasty. And he puts guys away, man. Him, Tiago Santos. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys he beat. I got it here. Um, Jimmy Crute, right hook, knocked him out. He lost to Paul Craig. That was nasty where he tore his arm off. Paul Craig is very unassuming. Mm-hmm. And then he beat Ovens, TKO. And beat this guy Darko's unanimous decision. And then he won on contender series, got elbows from out um, finish. So he's been on a great run, man. Good for him. I like to see good things happen to good people. And um, this is going to be an interesting one because I don't know if his ground game is in the realm. I Let's, let's be honest. I know his ground game is not in the realm of Glover Teixeira. Like, yeah. who we – I don't need to mince words here. I don't – I mean, I would think Jamal Hill would even state that. Yeah. But and he's Glover got can youth. crack, right? Glover can crack. He likes to strike. If I was him, I would have took Jerry down right away instead of playing the striking nonsense. Like, why am I doing that with this guy yeah. with those spinning elbows and all kinds of crazy reckless attacks um, looking to separate your consciousness? Uh, if I'm Glover, I'm looking for the takedown right out of the gate. I mean, you're going to have to engage with the striking to kind of draw out the perfect entry. But Hill looks like he's hard to take down, and Glover's not a wrestler. But if the fight does somehow get to the ground, if he gets hurt and Hill follows him to the ground, which Glover has done in the past, I can see him getting sweep, getting on top, and walking away with the win. Now, I think for Hill, he's going to need to keep the distance, stay measured, stay calculated, pick apart Glover from a distance. We know we know Hill's got hands, and he can knock you out with either one. We've seen it. But we know Glover. He's got that Mike Tyson-esque type of style. He's got Alex um, Pereira in his corner who he trains with. So I know he's no stranger to power, but at his age, the small gloves is going to be quite the difference. I think Hill's just got to be careful with throwing kicks, um, make sure that they're aiming at the calf or make sure they're like teeps and stuff and bring that leg back right away and can't get lazy. Because if he gives Glover an opportunity, um, Glover finds a way to stay in the fight long enough till he gets the win. So, yeah, fuck. I know I pretty much just said everything. Yeah. There's, really no, there's nothing for me to ask. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can say something. So, are, does Glover have good takedowns? He's taking guys down against the cage. Carl Roberson. Um, I want to say Anthony Smith. I feel like Anthony Smith was beating... Yeah, he was beating him bad. If I remember correctly. Smith was beating Glover bad. Yeah, and wow. then... Glover came back and put it on him. Or am I thinking about somebody else? I think Smith was putting it on him that he got tired because he like it was like playing a video game. He just hit all these buttons on the controller Mm -hmm. and then somehow his stamina, you know how you're supposed to wait for it to recuperate? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Anthony Smith was just like, nah, I'm going for it. I'm going. And he got caught with that. Mm -hmm. Shit. So do you have a prediction? I don't I like both these guys. Hill's more of the homie. Um I feel like we got a more we got a better connection. Um 
with that being said, I feel like I kind of, I mean, I always got to go for that, but if I'm making a prediction of who wins this, I'm not going to lie. This is a tall, this is a steep hill for Jamal Hill to climb mm -hmm. up on. No pun intended. Wow. I actually didn't have any idea that was going to happen. Um, this is a steep hill for Hill. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if he can, if they improve, I don't say improvise either. If they came up with a great game plan, I think they could do pretty well. But the the tough part for me is the ground game discrepancy. It only takes him to trip. It only takes a slip, and that's all Glover will need to get on top. I'm gonna say people are gonna say, oh, the Jerry fight. He went for his jiu jitsu. Uh, he had Jerry hurt. And then he jumped on the guillotine that he's never done before in yeah. any of his other fights. And then with him doing that, he lost the guillotine, sweaty, blood all over the place, ends up on his back. Jerry gets on top, pounds him out, and puts on an awkward rear naked choke. And Glover pretty much, what I feel like, tapped from exhaustion mm -hmm. more than like a clean technical choke. But the choke was on. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like Glover, at that point, he was, just, he was like, all right, man, I'm out of here kind of thing. Yeah. It was a tough fight. Live to fight another day. Here he is. Another title shot opportunity. And it's about the opportunity what he makes of it. Um, I feel this might be the passing of the torch, though, because of the youth. Yeah. And also, like, Jamal Hill, he only needs to land, like, a couple of those haymakers to, like, yeah, put, put a guy out. Yeah. So I'm like, what are the odds that he doesn't do that against Glover? And Tiago Santos tried to get him down, and he couldn't. I mean, he. I mean, there was a couple times he got taken down, but it wasn't anything substantial that happened there mm -hmm. for Santos. But that's my main concern because if if Glover takes him down, I feel like that's a different level of jujitsu. But the fight starts on the feet, right? So we'll see what actually happens with that. Um, I'm leaning towards Hill to get the job done. I know it's a tough one, and I like both guys. As I said, what was that? No idea. Sound like gunshots? I'm joking. I was like, what? <laughs> um. <laughs> So, yeah, tough one for sure. Made a better man win, man. Hopefully it's Hill. That's my dog. I, I feel like Glover's going to win. <clears throat> I, can, I, can, I can see that. Like, he has more ways to do it. He just seems like a strong-ass motherfucker. Yeah. And it, I don't feel like his chin's, like, too worn down, you know? Yeah. Still very durable. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I always, I always lean toward the grappler. Grappling dictates the pace of the fight. Yeah, I mean, usually if you have wrestling and jujitsu, it's a lot better of a combo. Like that's way more deterministic. I feel like, mm -hmm. but if his wrestling's good mm -hmm. enough, you know it. Once it gets to the ground, it's friggin' lights out. I I will say though, Hill has this confidence right now, and for him, he feels like he already won in life, which is huge. I know what that feels like. That's a dangerous man. You don't care about the outcome, really. You're just going to go for it. And whatever happens, the chips are going to fall where they're going to fall. Um, still got to have a little bit of, of a calculation to that. It can't just be straight up, I don't care what happens. And I think that, him having that kind of a mindset going into this, he's like, dude, I fought for a world title. I'm not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a dangerous guy. He's got nothing to lose. Glover already had the belt. Mm -hmm. Um. You could say it's a, it's it's just one of those things, man. I, I I don't know, and sometimes you just need the perfect storm, and this could be that opportunity for Hill, and this is a life changing opportunity, life life changing moment. He beats Glover in Brazil. That he's gonna, I think he go, I think his stock goes up crazy. 
Yeah. Um, Becoming the light heavyweight champion. Yeah. For him. That's insane. And the UFC put out a stat. There were only two chants for like, I think it was like a seven or nine year period. John Jones in DC. Mm-hmm. And then in the last two years, there was already three different champions. Yeah. Like heavyweight. Yeah. Crazy. So imagine a fourth. Mm-hmm. It just shows how when one guy so dominant could get on top of the, the, the totem pole and they could just sit there and fend everybody off of the yeah. throne. And now we got this where it just seems like there's more opportunity. The skill sets are a lot more evenly matched. And mm-hmm. anyone could potentially become a champion depending on the matchup. You even like what cra- what's crazy to me is Ankalaev versus Blahovich. That fight should have never gone like that. How should it have gone? I thought Uncle Life was going out there to do work, bro. Yeah. Like, Blahovich is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I've seen Uncle Life in the gym. Bro. And he is a savage. I'm not saying that Blahovich isn't, mm-hmm. but just watching that, I just felt like, I'm like, yo, I feel like his physical gifts and how hard he's working right now, how's this man losing? I think he's going to win the belt and he's going to be on top of the throne for years to come. I thought, yeah. And then he goes out there and performs like that, and I was kind of like very, very confused. First title fight, it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a guy who got extremely exhausted forgot to eat in a title fight. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. And who knows if that was nerves that caused me to overthink and not do the right calculations. And who knows what it was for him because I've never seen him look like that in a fight before. Yeah, who knows? And, uh, it's just one of those things. I wanted to ask you, like, how you said how Jamal Hill, he feels like he doesn't even, like, like it's just it's crazy that he's even here and he's yeah. like got that kind of confidence like how does that af- positively affect your performance versus like the opposite where it's like you're overthinking everything you know what i'm saying mm. i i th- like I what think, does that give you i think he's not worried cuz like for him he's like it don't matter like he's won either way like if he loses he won if he wins he won one like he like that's how I look at it. Uh-huh. And I think the way he's seen it from his perspective, it's the same thing as like when I finally got my opportunity to fight for a world title, I'm like, I made it. After all these years, I'm finally freaking here. Something I've been working so hard for, and UFC's been trying so many different options to not give me the title shot. They try to give it to Marlon Marais. He loses to Santa Hagen. Then Santa Hagen can't get it because he just lost to me. Then they bring Frankie Yeager. He comes down to 135. He beats Pedro Munoz. He gets an automatic title shot. He loses. He wins a crazy split decision to Pedro Munoz. Aldo comes down, pieces up Pedro, um, um, Pedro Munoz in that fight. Super one-sided. And you know what I mean? So it was just like then Jan gets the title shot over me with Aldo after coming off a loss. So I know what it feels like to finally get that moment. And if I had lost and things didn't go my way, like say I had a normal performance and it wasn't good enough. Forget being tired or whatever. I would have felt like a winner in my book because coming where I come from, people from Unidale, we don't do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like the black folks that I know that we grew up with, we don't see guys that look like us that have these opportunities in this type of sport. We only see that in maybe football. We had one guy, maybe basketball. I think we had one guy who was kind of close but didn't actually make it. So it's like for me, like success was was that, like just – having the opportunity and that meant the world to me more than just winning the belt and then winning the belt obviously that's the icing on the cake but i think that's the way that hill's kind of approaching this it's just like i don't care what happens i'm about to just go out there and give it hell and that's it that, that was my mentality going into that fight and that's probably why i fought so reckless even though i knew i was exhausted i was just like dude this is the, my opportunity yeah at least don't quit 
go out there and fight. Go out on your shield if you got to go out on your shield and just don't quit no matter how exhausted you are. Keep moving forward. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to Hill, but I think when you have that mentality, you're hard to be beaten because it's almost like something possesses you and takes over your body to the point where, like, you're going to need to put my lights clean out for you to beat me that night. Wow. You know what I mean? Because I'm just going to keep coming forward. And I think that's the I think that's the type of shit he's on right now. But again, you take somebody down, that keep coming forward shit don't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. just keeping it real. So um, hopefully Hill's defense holds up and um, we get a striking delight. Yeah. And we see what happens with that. Because Glover hits hard, man. He ain't no he ain't no bitch. It is a great stylistic matchup. Yeah. So and, is the next fight. Yeah. This next one, fourth matchup between Figueredo and Moreno. I'm leaning towards Moreno because I thought that last fight, the third, was really, really close. I think you could make the argument that that, that one could have even been a draw as well. So, I mean, there was more activity. So, I know with more activities, even harder to give a draw. Um, like, the Rose and Carlos Sparza fight, that rematch should have been a draw because there was so little activity. There wasn't much to score. That's a, Those are 10-10 rounds. Yeah. Figueredo, Moreno, those rounds were a lot more, more a lot a lot more active, but in the sense of it being active, I felt both guys did a great job of landing strikes and combinations where they almost like went tit for tat. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really a whole lot of ports where I was like, this round is super definitive that this guy won this round. It was a very close fight. And I think Moreno didn't wrestle that much in that one. Yeah. You were saying that. So you think he needs to kind of bring that back into the fold? I think so. I mean, when he took him down. Moreno has I've trained with Brandon Moreno and those guys, Marcelo Rojo and all those guys. Um when he shoots and he could get his hands locked around your body, he's very good in that position. Cause he's long, he's lanky for the weight class. And even for me, like I gotta be careful that he doesn't get the hooks in and take my back. But he's had positions where he's gotten my back and I have to make sure I roll to get out because um and obviously I got the size on him too. Um, he doesn't really walk heavier than, like, I think 145. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking around, like, sometimes close to 70. Hmm, or if yeah. if not 70. That's crazy. You know? Holy shit. Um, so I'm a lot bigger than him. But he's super technical, super fast. But when he gets to that position, I told him, um, not after that fight, but before that, when I think before he went into that rematch, I remember we had a conversation. I was like, dude, you're so good in the grappling position. Like, you're, you're grappling so underrated. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying... I planted the seed, but who knows? Who knows? When I saw him next time, he thanked me. I'm like, I ain't do nothing, bro. That was all you. Mm -hmm. I just told you, believe in your ability because you're that damn good. Like, I can't make you do that. You go out there and know what you you put the work in. Mm -hmm. It's just up to you to put it together and go out there and do it. Wow. So I think with this, if he brings back the wrestling and not let Figueredo dictate the wrestling like he did in that last one, I think it changes things. And it gives Figueredo more things to worry about. And then Figgy, if uh, Figgy gives up his back to Moreno again, I think he gets finished again. So my next question is, how does the uh, the whole coaching situation potentially affect this, do you think? What do you mean? Well, oh, James, James Krause. Krause. Wow. James. Like James. not having your coach, how big of a deal do you think that would oh. be for, for Brandon Moreno? I don't know. You know, I fought in COVID without my coaches mm -hmm. and – I felt fine. I feel like as long as I have people with me that I trust and I've trained with that actually know what they're talking about and they know me, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I think that's a difference um, between me and others. I don't know about Brandon and his deal with Kraus. Mm -hmm. I know they only had that one fight together or two. 
I think it was one. Yeah, I think I it was know. just the Kai Kata France. Was it? Okay. Or maybe it was two of them. The one where I think maybe the the, the Brandon fight that he lost, the Figgy fight that he lost. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention, really. Yeah, me either. Coaches. It was either he had him for one or two training camps now. Okay. Either way, I don't know how fast you can build a bond that way. Maybe he's like that. Maybe he's not. Um, but he's got a great team around him of training partners. I think for Brendan, if he has his notes, his key things that he wants to keep in mind, and he tells his team to remind him of those things during the fight, mm-hmm. I think Miranda's going to do more than okay. Okay. That's what I feel. Yeah. But if it's a situation where he's stressed about it and really feels like he needs to hear that voice in the corner, that won't be good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but every fighter's different. Not every like some fighters like really rely on the words of their coaches. Some fighters kind of yeah. they just think about everything on their own. They don't even hear anybody yeah. in the cage. It's super mental, man. Fighting is a very mental sport. As much as it is physical, it's very mental. And you would imagine like you train all that all those weeks, and then for you to to have a hiccup because you felt like you didn't hear the voice of your OG coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I feel like I could get inside that guy's head, me personally. Mm. That's what I feel. So but you're I, saying like it to rely on your coach could be a weakness potentially. Yeah, I I think so. And it depends on how. I know people are gonna say, well, well you train with this. I'm like, yeah, but. It's different. Like if you have your coach all all the time, it's like okay, this guy's unbeatable, un, unbeatable with him, kind of like Mike Tyson and Casamato. Um, wow, that's a great. And then example. when he when he left, you can see how Mike kind of went off the rails a little bit. That's a great <clears> example. <throat> so with that being said, like yeah, Mike was the man when he was around and keeping him in line, doing the right things. I feel like Moreno's one of those guys who does the right things regardless, and it's gonna be whether or not. Um, he's comfortable without his head coach in the corner with him. So it's different. I think every fighter is different. So for me, it's like when I fought Jan, people were saying, oh, it wouldn't have been close if he had his real corner there. I'm like, if you need your corner, I'm like, I, I don't have Matt Serra in my corner. I got guys who I, I would like to say, and I think my, my teammates would admit this, that my jiu-jitsu is way better than theirs in a sense of like, um, pound for pound, like not even size, like size is more competitive. Mm-hmm. Like if I roll with Al, it's more competitive because mm-hmm. of the size. But I think they would say, like, arguably, if we just went move for move and technique for technique, they would say that my jiu-jitsu is a little yeah. bit higher, a lot higher than theirs. Um, with Dennis and Marab as well. So, with that being said, um, I still don't have my co- my coach, Matt Serra, and I still don't have Jason Rao in the corner helping me and walking me through that type of stuff. But I have people that I trust. And, like, for me, my, my mindset is so bulletproof that it's, like, doesn't matter who's in the corner with me. As long as I know that you've been there with me, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Where some people it could be a little bit different, whereas like they malfunction if they don't have their corner. And is that a weakness? I would look at it as so, because I would feel like maybe I could find another way to get under your skin or to get you out of your character during the fight. I feel like that gives me a pathway. Mm. Where for me it's like, well, how do you get under Aljamain Sterling's skin? Well, this I don't think there's any type of blueprint or any type of thing that anyone has been able to show like you could get at him like this if you do this there's, mm. I don't think there's out there yeah I think that's been demonstrated but everyone's different I'm not saying that makes you a good fighter I'm not saying that makes you a bad fighter mm-hmm. I think it's just if I see that or if I feel that I'm like alright so how can I get in this guy's head if I what can I do that could annoy them to kind of get them out of their game a little bit interesting yeah 
It's all mental, man. It's, yeah. it's a lot of mind games and mind tricks leading up to the fight. When you're in there, as you're about to walk out, you can do all the right things, and all that matters is what you do in that cage that day. Mm -hmm. That's it. So uh, we were watching the countdown, and I realized, like, Hen Henry was coaching Figgy for this for this last fight they had. Yeah. But, and he obviously made some great adjustments, but, like, what, could you outline what adjustments those were, you know? The, I think he was more disciplined with the range. Um, you could hear in the countdown, even in the corner, they would tell him to be more technical and, like, tell him not to brawl. <clears throat> I think Figgy's one of those guys, and this is what I'm talking about, you could get him out of his character, almost like Cody Garbrandt. People mm. was like, oh, if you do one thing, you could get him out of his element. Yeah. And then he starts swinging. Like, Cody is a smart dude. The way he's, he fights, he will even say, like, yeah, I didn't fight the smartest in that. I didn't fight the smartest in that one either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really didn't fight that smart in that one either. So with that being said, <clears throat> it's those little things. It's like, okay, how can I irritate this guy and draw out the, the wild, uncalculated guy versus the one who's smart taking his time? And Figgy... I felt like in that third fight, he took his time. He was more calculated. He was doing better with the distance management, the same way Sayuto does that stupid karate thing and tries to be like, I'm a master of distance. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, I, whatever. I think he did a better job of that, and he mixed in the takedowns a lot more and shot in. And he, he fought more like a mixed martial artist that fight than I think Brendan did, where Brendan, I think, primarily was trying to box the entire time. And, uh, I mean, he did knock him down twice as well. It was a close fight, but I feel like Figgy made some really good adjustments. And there was, like, two rounds I felt like he definitely won. And the other three, I was like, Dude, I don't know which way these rounds are going to go. Mm -hmm. That's why I was like, for me, it was, like, a really close fight. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to this fourth. This is the first time in history. And I think Figueredo's only fought Brandon Romano, Ro Moreno in the last three years. Jeez, yeah, that's crazy. And then wow. if Moreno loses, it's kind of like, that hype kind of like a lot of there's a you're risking a lot you know yes and no if it, it depends on how the fight goes if figgy finishes him okay but if it goes to another decision then it's just like mm, that leaves you with that feeling like i feel like i need to see a fifth fight really that's how i feel i just feel like that's out of the question moreno finished him yeah but like okay like i there's obviously if I think if as long as Davison Figueredo's champion, if he beats Brandon Moreno this fight, it's kind of hard to just justify another title fight between. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like I I just think I would want to see a fifth fight because I would it's almost like Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard like you wanted a definitive answer of who was better. Uh and yeah. then they had that that I think it was the trilogy because it was a Gray Maynard beat him. They had a rematch. I think it went to a draw. Then they had the trilogy, and Frankie knocked him out after being dropped like four times in that fight. Four different times. Maybe even five. I have to go back and watch that. Yeah. It was an insane fight. And then Frankie Edgar comes back. Yeah. And somehow does the unthinkable and cracks him and puts out Gray Maynard mm -hmm. in like emphatic fashion. Turns around. I'm just like, this doesn't even make sense. It was like a movie. It yeah. was literally like a Rocky movie, Creed mm -hmm. movie, Southpaw movie, Warrior. All that. It was just like, it was literally a movie watching that fight. <clears throat> but that's how I feel. Like, you want a definitive answer. And then we got the definitive answer. And, yeah, that fight could have arguably been stopped multiple times in the favor of Gray Maynard. But thankfully it wasn't. And Frankie came back and made history. This is one of the greatest fights of all time in the UFC. 
I got to see that. <clears throat> you should watch the rivalry. It's, it's good because Gray Maynard, his name was the Bully, mm. and uh, what he did, they, there was a great nickname because he bullied everybody, take you down, smothered guys, beat them up against the cage, um, stuffed your head against the cage. He was nasty, man, oh, and God. he never won a belt. <clears throat> oh, dude. One of those guys. And uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm leaning. I'm going with Moreno. Moreno, let's get this shit done, my guy. Vamos, trabajaduro. Yeah, I think if he does the, if he implements the grappling too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he wins. I can't see why he, why he won it. He's just so good there. I'm not saying he should waste a lot of energy, but mix it in and make him think about it. If mm-hmm. he does that, I think it should. Because his distance management is good. He does great footwork. He sits there. He does that thing that he always does. And he's just like, and his left kick is nasty. The one he put down Kai Kata France with. That was sick. Yeah. He kept attacking the body, ending his combinations with the body kick. And Kai kept leaving his elbows open. And eventually got through. It don't take much, man. You get a shin or a foot to the ribs on that liver. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> take a seat, my son. Oi. Gilbert Burns. Like, Ooh, that couch looks comfortable. I'm gonna sit right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gilly Burns back taking on Neil Magny. I like this matchup, man. Burns not afraid to fight anybody. Neil, Mil, yeah, Neil Magny not afraid to fight anybody either. What was cool is that he effed around and found out and trained with Hamza um, Chamaya. Yeah, I saw that. And then he had what was funny to me is he had the balls to say, "I would still fight him." I'm just like, "Come on, man." Nah. If the training went the way that you're saying you effed around and you found out, what do you think is what do you think you're gonna really do in a training camp to have you prepared for a guy like Hamzat? I know training is training, but you know what Hamzat's gonna do. He's gonna go out there, he's gonna time it, push you against the cage, if not shoot from the open, get to those legs, get to a body lock. And if he takes you down, Damian Maya took him down, even though that was years ago. But if you effed around and found out in this day and age, years after you fought Damian Maya. I don't see how that fight goes any different than the training room. Unless you gas him out. Because I remember you were saying with the Kevin Holland fight, if Kevin had survived that round. Because he went balls to wall. Right. But that's kind of what he does, Hamza. Mm-hmm. Except for in the Gilbert fight. But every other fight, he just is like, I'm going to try to kill you in this first round. I would like to know how many times he submitted Neil. <sighs> yeah. I wish they had. I wish Ariel had asked him that. That would have been a good question. I, I didn't see that interview. but. Yeah. I like Neil. Neil's not a bad dude, except when he went against me, obviously, for his teammate, Corey Sanhagen. I get it. But I feel like it could have been a little bit more on the fence there, Mr. Feeney. But instead, you went with the... I was going to say the ginger, but I don't know if that was politically correct. I think that's fine. The ginger? You went with the soulless man. Wow. <laughs> the Sandman? You went with the Sandman. But it was... Yeah. I, I like this one because now Burns coming off of the Hamzat fight. I think he's got a lot of momentum. A lot of people want to see him fight because of how well he did. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. He lost his guy, Lucas Barbosa, in a grappling match, though, via Renegade Choke, which I don't know what that's about. Yeah, what? He's a heavyweight, though. Oh, okay, so he's a big guy. It's okay. It's and you got... The Hamzat, which was a close ass fight. Which one? Hamzat. Oh yeah. That I gotta fight I wanna watch so that one close. again. I should probably watch it tomorrow. Yeah. I mean you could even argue there's a slight argument that Gilbert won that fight. I agree. 
And it depends on how you're how you're scoring it. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought both guys fought phenomenal. I thought it was one of those fight of the year candidate type of scraps. And Burns showed a lot of cojones, and um, so did Hamzat. And part of me wonders if Hamzat could have went for the takedown a lot more, and if he didn't because he didn't want to waste too much energy. And that's the fight game. You have to be calculated. Not mm-hmm. everyone you fight is going to be the same type of defense, the same type of endurance. So you got to approach the fights the right way, which makes me wonder what he did with Kevin Holland. He emptied the gas tank. He did not care. He was like, if I get this guy down, I know I'm finishing the fight. Yeah. Yeah. But why didn't he try that with Burns? Because you probably can't do that to Gilbert Burns. Yeah. I would think. You have to think, like, if I do get him down and I get into his guard, what am I going to do there? You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where you have to make a calculated decision, especially going three rounds. You're not just doing a five-minute roll. So Mm -hmm. these are all questions. When I'm analyzing fights, the things that I think about, and um, I think that's what helps you come up with the best game plan. Mm-hmm. So with this one, going back to Burns and Magny, I think Burns showed a lot of grit, showed that he can strike. His right hand is a whole lot of boha. <laughs> and um, Neil Magny, he's not the most exciting guy to watch. He slowly chips away and wears you down with attrition. And then um, I'm going to say he doesn't have – he doesn't show – Seem to have a lot of power uh-huh. in the strikes, but I think Burns does. Yeah. Gilbert Burns is a motherfucker. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you say you say everything, bro. <laughs> and then I'm just like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like some, some type of analysis you see. What do you see? I don't have analysis, bro. I wait, have questions. What do you think about Magni? And his overall game? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? What do you mean you don't know? Have you watched him fight before? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I ask questions, Uh, bro. Okay, fair enough. I'm interviewing you. What do you see in his overall game? A lot of cardio. He's very durable. He's been knocked out by Ponzinibbio. Wow. And I think he might struggle with guys that are super powerful. Mm-hmm. Even though he's one of the most winningest welterweights out there, though, if not, he is the most winningest welterweight. Which is like makes me think, where the hell have I been? Because how have I not seen him fight that much, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a casual guy. There was one time I think he fought like seven times in one year. What the fuck? Yeah. So happens when you don't have to cut that much weight. Seven times? Yeah. I think it was six or seven. Pretty That's sure. That's like less, more than once every two months. Yeah, he was he was active. He was out there. He was like the Angel- Angela Hill was like the Neil Magny of her division. That must have been a good year for him financially. Yeah. Jeez. It was pretty. He did pretty good. Seven least. times. It was one year he fought. Come on, let me get this shit off my page. Yeah, when he got to the Ultimate Fighter, and his Ultimate Fighter season was just like not very good. I remember he had guys like Mike Ricci, Bristol Morande, um, Frank Camacho, who ended up dropping down to 150, 155, Cameron Diffley. There was, like, a lot of interesting cats on that show, and Neil Magny is, like, one of the last Mohicans. Oh, wow. How, how's Neil Magny's grappling? Not very good. He got choked out by Damian Maia in, like, two minutes. So, And then he went to Damian Maia's seminar. 
not too long after that, which was cool though. That's that was pretty wild. cool to see. Cause it's like, yo, man, you want to get better, you gotta do the right things to get better. You can't just be acting like you're gonna get better by osmosis. <laughs> Two, three, four, five. So it's fair to say then that's probably the game plan for Gilbert. Yeah. And Gilbert's more powerful on the feet. So in a calendar year, I'm seeing five at most, but I think in like a twelve year spin, twelve month span, he hit like six or seven. That must be a record. <clears throat> yeah, I think between him and like Cerrone. Yeah. But yeah, it's a. I think um, Gilbert's path of least resistance. Take Magny down right away. Yeah. If I'm burdens, I'm like, man, I'm just trying to take my paycheck and go home. If I'm Magny. He's got to stay on his bike. He's got to poke at, at Burns, try not to get into a firefight, try to clinch him up, which he does pretty well, mm-hmm. and use those long-ass limbs that he has, elbows in the clinch, knees to the body, knees to the leg, and, uh, yeah, go from there. So then for uh, Gilbert, let's say he wins. What do you think is next for him? I think he might have to wait for the winner of Leon Edwards and um, Usman to kind of see how that plays out. Unless he wants to be gangster as shit and go fight Shavkat, <laughs> which I'm just like, you already fought a killer. Yeah, a you young, already fought Hamza. He's 36 years old. Burns don't need to go fight no more young guns. Yeah, I, I agree. I know he's got the balls and he don't care, but it's just like the ultimate goal is to become a UFC champion. You don't need to fight all the contenders to prove that you're tough. We know you're tough already. Hamzat was that was Hamzat was that fight for him. Yeah. Where he was like, You don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. You and you almost beat him. Yeah. Which no one saw coming. What was the odds Kobe on that? Kobe Covington? That would be sick. Kobe's there. Who else could Kobe fight? I'm thinking. Um Shavkat, Hamzat. Kobe could fight um what's his name? Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, yeah. You know it's crazy. I, I, Bilal is just always forgotten. I don't even know why he's just always forgotten. I even forgot him just. Now. I feel like Bilal should get a title shot next. He should. Like no matter who, just based on merit. Even yeah, Gil, even if Gilbert wins this fight, I still think Bilal should get it next. If, unless if, Hamzat comes back to one seventy. Unless he comes back to one seventy, or unless they do a number one contender fight, Burns versus Hamzat. I mean versus Bilal. Versus Bilal. <laughs> <laughs> I said that so confidently. Burns versus Hamza. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go Burns versus Bilal Muhammad. That would be so sick. But Burns has to beat Magni first. He beats Magni. This is a little bit more of a step down in competition based on ranking numbers. He beats Magni in a perfect world. And then he comes out relatively unscathed. Um, which is hard to say because Magny's a dog. He's going to be there the entire time unless he gets his lights put out. Um, and then from there, I think he fights Bilal. Unless Bilal's just like, I'm going to wait. And then you got Masvidal. What's what's he doing? One of these guys, these guys have to fight. I don't... This is why 135 is the best division because we all fight. That's facts. All of you do. But there's huge jumps in the fucking rankings. Yeah, Actually, I wonder what other. the rankings are. Kobe's only fought Usman and Burns. No, he never fought Burns. Um, Masvidal. And then you got Burns, who's fought Usman. Burns fights everybody. Magni fights everybody. Yeah. You got Wonderboy, who's right there, too. <clears throat> he don't want to fight no wrestlers again. Um, 
They didn't update the rankings yet. <clears throat> oh my god, sorry. Um, and then who's the other guy? And then you got Bilal. He had to fight down to fight Sean Brady because he couldn't get a fight in the top. And he starched him. Yeah, and then you got Masvidal. Like these guys got to fight. They have to fight. I, the division has to keep moving. I would either love to see um, Bilal versus Colby or Bilal versus the winner of this fight. I'll even watch Bilal versus Masvidal. Honestly, Colby would be dope. Bilal versus Masvidal, I think we all know how that goes. Yeah, but it's just a top contender fight. And do they want to? Do they want that? For, is that how they want to spend like the Masvidal hype? Yeah, because then you got to look at it like when they do these matchups, they go, they kind of have a theory who they think might win, and then if they win, they kind of have like an idea of when they might fight again later in the year, and they try to like piece them, piece them up, and they know they the top contenders where they think they could do. So it's like a whole thing. If they lose, the whole thing kind of just gets blown up to shits. Yeah. So they have like their their skeleton of where they think they could go in the spider web. And then they kind of know like, okay, if these guys win, lose, we match these guys up. If they don't, this guy goes here, he goes here. So eventually these guys have to cross paths. Yeah. It's almost like Tony Ferguson and Nate Diaz. How have they never fought? And they both are like had some of the most fights in the UFC. And then they both fought like at the end of their career, which is like, yeah, kind of annoying because I would have liked to have seen that fight in their prime. That would be sick if they were both in their prime. Yeah, when they're both early thirties and early late twenties, um, because I think Tony was younger than Nate, mm -hmm. or vice versa. One of the two. But what like, I feel like most of Tony's prime, Nate was past his prime, <laughs> you know. Like when Tony, uh, well, he, when Tony he was, was a fucking lot of years. people up. Try, like, just chilling after he fought Connor. He kind of just chilled after that because he was like, "I'm not fighting unless it's big money." Yeah. Yeah. But he also was losing a lot when Tony was winning. You know. Mm, not really. Yeah. I fought Michael so. Johnson. Johnson had just knocked out Poirier. Hey, he wasn't just losing. You gotta go look up. You gotta go watch these fights, man. Damn. Huh? Nate's been like most of his last few fights. To who? Connor, Leon, Leon. Who else did he fight? Masvidal. Yeah. <clears throat> and who? That's what I'm talking, I'm talking about. about. I'm talking about before that. You're saying, but like during that time, like those three fights that you just named, I you feel like to, then that's when he's older at the end of his career. I'm talking about when he was a, when he was still like TKOing people. No, I, right. But I'm saying like I feel like Tony exited his prime more recently than Nate did. <clears throat> I felt like it feels like Nate exited his prime. Before Tony did is what I'm trying to say. Mm. There was like a little overlap, but like when when Tony and Khabib were supposed to fight, I feel like Nate was already out of his prime. No way. Really? That was like six years ago. Six years ago. When they were supposed to originally fight the first time. I'm talking they, about they like the fight. last. They made that fight no, I know. five times. That I know. I'm saying. So I'm saying when you say they made that fight. I'm saying the last like few times ago. they fought, like right before Khabib retired. Tony was still in his prime. Right before Khabib retired, based on what he hadn't he hadn't gone on that five fight losing streak. How many lose? How many losses did he have at the time? What do you mean? He was on like a huge winning streak, Tony. When he fought, when, when he, he was right before Khabib retired, is what I'm saying. When, when they were Khabib still trying fought, to make that when, fight. When Khabib fought Justin Gaethje, he retired, right? Yeah. So, who was the last guy that Tony fought? Oh, that's around true. that time yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But like, yeah, fuck, okay. And Gaethje <laughs> was the one who put him out, yeah. Yeah. 
So that's pretty much what I'm getting at. I'm like, Tony was, Tony should have fought Khabib the first time they made that matchup, and then that whole thing just got blown up. That's when it would have been interesting to see, even though Khabib has a really smothering style, it just would have made things interesting when Tony was like younger, more durable, I would say, and faster, man. Yeah. Like the crazy stuff he was doing, the spinning elbows and all that. Like he came back and beat Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, the Cowboy was kind of, Cowboy was getting the better of him in the first round, but Tony was landing the shots that did more damage and, and shut Cowboy's eye pretty mm. much. He blew his nose. Yeah. I got to get on Fight Pass. Yeah. And watch all these old fights. Yeah. Like the new shit, I'm pretty up to date with, but like all that old stuff. That's why I'm the OG, man. Yeah, that's why I <laughs> ask you questions. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't try to uh, grill me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just I'm just trying to see if you actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm just making sure. I, f- I feel like it's a fair take that while Tony was still in his prime, Nate was already past his prime. While Tony was still in his prime, Nate was past his prime. They're relatively the same age, though, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but they just peaked at different times. But what I'm saying, I think their primes was when was like maybe six or seven years ago when Nate fought um, Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson had beat Tony Ferguson, he beat Dustin Poirier, and he beat another guy. He beat three guys in the top five, and then he lost to Khabib and got commored in one round. Right. And then from there, Johnson started to go downhill. So that's when Nate's prime was, right? I would say that's when Nate was more so, where everything came together, and he did Uh that crazy speech. You're taking everything I work for. I'm going to fight your ass. Yeah. And then from there, he fought Connor. He beat Connor. Like, in that time that period was right. is when he should have fought. Six or seven years ago? Yeah. Okay. That was a long time but ago. But I'm saying, like, two years ago, until Dust- Justin Gaethje beat Tony, like, everybody thought nobody could beat Tony. Like, it was like, I literally thought in my head, Tony can't lose unless he <laughs> fights Khabib. Nah, man. That was, like, two, two or three years ago. When he lost, like that was when Rogan was on his whole dude. Every time Tony fights anyone, they look like they got hit by a train. That was only two or three years ago. Yeah, they they did a picture of like everyone who fights Tony, yeah. and they were all sliced and up. And it was bloody. like he had this aura about him, and that was only what year was that first loss to Justin Gaethje? Twenty twenty. Right. And then when he fought Cerrone, it was twenty nineteen. So not even two years ago, Tony was still considered to be in his prime. That night is when everything started to go downhill, but yeah. Nate's. Nate stopped being like the top tier UFC competitor pretty much after he lost to Connor. I feel like after he lost to Connor, that like that's when people stopped looking at him. He lost to Connor in 2016. He beat Michael Johnson before that. Then he fought Connor, beat him, lost to Connor, beat Anthony Pettis, lost to Masvidal, lost to Leon. But in that time, from when he lost to Connor, that was in 2016. He only fought. He fought 2019 against Pettis, beat him. And then he fought later again in 2019 at the end of the month, at the end of the year, against Masvidal. Who and then pieced he f- him up. Yeah, and then he fought two years later. And remember, that there was a lot of scar tissue on his face. Nate's, mm-hmm. just, Nate's been around the fight game for a very long mm-hmm. time. I'm not saying Nate, like, fell off. I'm just saying, like, I feel like his peak was – his peak and descent started before Tony's did. That's all I'm trying to say. He lost to Rafael Dos Anjos. He beat Gray Maynard. He lost to Josh Thompson. Lost to Henderson. He had won three in a row. He beat Cerrone, Takanori Gomi, Jim Miller. Like, Nate's had an up-and-down career. Mm-hmm. Very up-and-down. I think I think he knows that as well. And everything's timing. Like, he lost to Josh Thompson, beat Gray Maynard. Lost, I think he fought for the belt 
against one of these guys, three five-minute rounds. One of these was a this one was co-main event. No, he had fought for the belt. He had lost relatively one-sidedly. Yeah, he fought Benson Henderson, UFC lightweight championship. After he won three in a row, he choked out Jim Miller. Had Jim Miller choking on his tongue, like caught him in a guillotine. It's this is like, watch this fight, him Nate Diaz versus Jim Miller. When he catches him in the guillotine, his tongue is sticking out, and he was about. It looked like he was about to guillotine his own tongue, and like the whole thing was about to just get bitten off. That's how tight that thing was, Ugh. and the way he caught him. And then he got a title shot after that. He lost. Lost two in a row. But I feel like his prime was right around like that 2015. Mm-hmm. Like he still fought well after that, but it was kind of up and down. And from there, he had so many cuts from all these fights that he's had before that. Mm-hmm. Like he literally like bled like every single time he fought. So, but right, we're talking past <laughs> each other. I agree that that's when Nate's prime was. Yeah. And I'm just saying Tony's prime was it ended two years ago. So there's like, but still, Nate got the best of him. See, see, it's now. hard for me to say his prime because I look at it like also. He did that stupid weight cut thing, and then he fought, like, what was it, a month later? And do you think the damage that Gaethje did to him that night, like, <clears throat> took, like, sapped him of what was left, maybe? Plus the plus the weight cut thing? Mm. That was That's my theory. Or, I don't know, maybe he's not training the same, I don't know. Here's my theory. And this might come off a little harsh. Not hard. I hope it doesn't come off harsh. It might come off that way, but I don't. I'm not trying to be harsh. When Tony Ferguson was doing his thing, mm-hmm. a lot of those fights he was losing, mm-hmm. and he came back, and he always won. Lando Venata came to the UFC, made his UFC debut against Tony Ferguson. I, I want to say he dropped Tony two or three times in that fight. Mm-hmm. UFC debut. Lando Venata fought with his hands down. Matt Favola fought Lando Venata. That fight was unanimous to draw. Matt won that fight. He fought John, Josh Thompson, fought Gleason Tebow. He choked out Gleason. Um, Edson Barbosa was a relatively competitive fight until he broke him, I feel, with pressure just going forward. But Barbosa was, I would say, winning that fight. Mm-hmm. He's a comeback kid, man. Mm-hmm. Um, RDA, I feel like the same thing. Kevin Lee, same thing. And then he choked Kevin Lee out. Kevin got tired. Anthony Pettis was winning that fight, and then he came back. Anthony broke his hand. Donald Cerrone. So don't get me wrong. Tony was a savage, but he's one of those guys you can never count out of the fight. Mm -hmm. But it's not like he was always piss-pounding people throughout the entire duration of the fight. So it's like if you got a lead, like Ferguson, like um, Gaethje did, he didn't let Tony get back in the fight. And I feel like from there, it kind of set the tone and the blueprint for everybody else. Charles Oliveira didn't let him get back in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Benil Dariush up on the scorecards didn't let him get back in the fight. And even the Chandler fight, it was a close fight until it wasn't. Yeah, he dropped Chandler. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. It's just one of those things. It's like it's hard for me to say his prime. I still think Tony is good. I just think durability and skill set wise, he always got away with being wild because he would always find a way to get back in the fight. And these guys would just kind of. I think break to his pressure. Mm. It's like a Marab just goes forward. Eventually, he's gonna get you. Yeah. Um. That's why the fight game is so crazy. But when you, I think when you step outside of it and you just don't look at the and you look at the entire thing of what's actually happening, you're like, you can kind of piece it together a little bit more, and you can kind of get a pattern and a, a mo of how people fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So Gaethje 
didn't let him get back in. The, yeah, basically everyone did that. Yeah. After. Because the fights before, I mean. It's like if you think a guy can't be beaten, but then one guy beats him, and then it seems like everyone feels like they can beat them. Mm-hmm. It's like they become human. It's like the guy the guy who ran the, the first four-minute mile. Yeah. Now, no one then, can run a four-minute mile. No, it's a humanly impossible. And then one guy does it, and then it like the next couple of years, it's like done mm-hmm. so many times after that just because they know it's possible. Yeah. And even though Molly and his coach said they said this about me, like they know my grappling is really freaking good, but they know I've been slept before, so they know I'm not invincible and I'm human. And it's just that thought process. You see it, and it makes it a little bit more attainable in your head. Kind of like Khabib. The people were like, oh, this guy's so good. And then no one's seen him like ever even bleed. So it's like, damn, this guy's almost like a god. That's how people kind of perceive him. Right. Oh, you can't do anything to him. You can't do anything to Islam. These guys are the best. The no aura. one can hold a candle to them. And now you like you look at Umar and people are starting to do the same exact thing again. And I'm looking at it like from a technical standpoint. I'm like, I'm watching these fights and I see where he is humanized mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. And that's not hating on him. That's as a competitor and that's as an analyst breaking it down, seeing where you could find some holes in this game. Yeah. And that's just how you're going to be able and to. These aren't big holes like, oh, my God, you could exploit that easy. This is just where you could possibly get them, mm-hmm. and hopefully things go your way, you know? Yeah, it's crazy that this one weekend he just had kind of put him in that spot where everyone has to look at him now. Yeah, you have to. If you weren't looking at him before, you're super naive. Like, Umar is here. <laughs> yeah. The young eagle, alhamdulillah. Even he has some of Khabib's aura. Yeah. Like, all the guys that Khabib trained yeah they just carry some of his like clout and like everyone feels scared of them because of of the khabib link yeah you know? the mystique yeah but it's a dagestani energy everyone is human man everyone bleeds bro except marab marab bleeds a <laughs> lot first in the ice water and <laughs> in the ocean <laughs> we, we still got to talk about his fight yeah I mean, there's a couple of good ones. Also, we got Jessica Andrade, Laura Murphy, Paul Craig taking on Johnny Walker. That one is interesting because mm-hmm. if Paul Craig can get past Johnny Walker, that puts him in a serious conversation of being a contender because he beat Jamal Hill. He submitted him, ripped his arm off. Holy his shit. last fight he lost to Volkan Ozdemir, close fight. And before that, he was on a one, two, three, four, five-fight winning streak, bro. Yeah, that's a solid-looking record. Yeah, and he had a draw with Shogun with Mauricio Hua, Shogun. Why does it say win? Then? <clears throat> no, it says draw. Oh, yeah, just draw, split draw. Oh, I was looking at the other one. They rematched. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot, there's a lot of good fights, man. Terrence McKinney's fighting. Terrence McKinney is fighting. Tiago Moises is fighting. That's um, crazy. Yeah, How is Terrence McKinney not, like, one of the most hyped-up guys in the weight class? Well, he lost to Drew Dober, and I think a lot of the hype went away. But still, <clears> like, the performances he has, you know? And those was, That was a crazy fight. Yeah. That first, those, that was, like, a two-minute fight. He's fighting some guy who's 18-3. I don't even know who he is. Ishmael Bonfid Finn. Wow. Disrespect. I don't know who that guy is. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but the Drew Dober fight was... About a three-minute fight. <laughs> Props to Drew. That was a sick win for him. Yeah. he. Yeah, that was good for him. Yeah. 
knocked out Matt Favreau in seven seconds. Don't say that. Which is crazy. And like you, you look at Maddie now, and you're like, how the hell did I ever happen? It's just like one of those. I just felt maybe a mental lapse, and not really. Just freak accident, kind of. Yeah, kind of ran right into it. I want to see them fight again. <clears throat> I would like to see that again. I think, um, I think Matt would get his licks back. <laughs> you got Zam, Zam, he's fighting. He beat Zam, ran a choke round one. So he was like bulldozing everyone in round one. Yeah. Like, even when he was at RFA, LFA, whatever you call it. All these fights, his debut, round one, round one, round one, round three, he'll hook. He lost, stock the stoppage, round round one. Round one, punches, knocked this guy out in seven seconds. Um, round one, round one, flying knee to Sean Woodson. He lost to Sean Woodson, the guy who fights at 145. Mm-hmm. The tall, skinny dude, kind of got like a huge head. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, this guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is so, he the guy who like only goes for heel hooks or something? No, no. This guy's six two, fights at one forty five. Seventy nine inch reach. <laughs> I've seen him before. Yeah. He just lost his last one though, which was shocking to me. Colin Anglin, yeah, hooks to the body. Crazy fight. Um, but where were we? Uh so he lost to him. He lost to Derek Miner, which I don't understand how he lost to this guy. Terrence McKinney, round one. And then he beats another guy round one. He wins round one, head kick, round one, punches, round one, TKO, um, round one, lost round one. <laughs> Yo, He's he a one-round round, fighter. Yeah, that's really it. <laughs> I don't think this guy's ever gone to decision. This might be like the most exciting fight. This will be the most exciting fight on the prelims. He fights one way. Yeah, but he gets beat one way too. Yeah. It's all the first round. He lost in the first round, lost in the second round. Lost in the first round. It's like mostly first round lost in the first finishes. Round. Either he's getting finished or <laughs> he's doing the finishing. You want an exciting fight, you put that guy on the card. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, that didn't go away, even though he lost. Yeah. You still know, like, who, like, how he fights. So I'm just surprised they don't put him up higher. But I'm very excited for this fight. It's going to be good. Yeah. Um, Who else we got? Cody Stamen. He's fighting some guy I don't know. Oh. You sleepy? No. <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm not. I'm tired, and I got to edit this. Um, Breaking news. Oh, we got the Q&A. Oh, yeah. So we do that, and we got the breaking news, so you can line that up. Rob DeVosvilli taking on Piotr Jan, March 11th, main event, right here, <sighs> Sin City. Las Vegas. With fans, right? With fans. Let's fucking go. God damn. Super excited for this one. Marab Marab wins. That's my prediction. We just watched Marab's fight over with him and Jose Aldo. And that fight was actually not as bad as people were making it out to be. Yeah. You people act like he for for round two and three, the minute the the round started, he just put Jose against the fence and held him there for five minutes. Yeah, for both those last two rounds. But really, there wasn't that much time held against the fence. Yeah, Marab was just pressing forward. Marab landed most of the strikes, despite what the stat sheets say. They said Jose Aldo had more significant strikes. Hell no! Go watch that fight. Where? I don't. I don't understand at all. Where? <laughs> Jose Aldo, like, it seemed like he. I hate to say this, but it seemed like he wasn't even like taking the opportunities to hurt Marab that he could have. Like 
that one example where Mirab was backed against the fence and Jose just kept going back. Yeah. Like so he kind of circled out of there. I feel like when you have a guy against the fence, like that's where a lot of guys get hurt, like with Izzy in his last fight, you know? But Who did that? Piotr Jan, when he fought Piotr Jan and then got to like round three, Aldo would start to pivot and cut a corner. And instead of countering like the way he was countering in round one and two, he would just pivot and go back to the center and try to breathe. And I was like, yeah, this guy is human. He gets he does tired. does this all the time. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, I think people complained more than that they should have. I think the onus was more on Aldo because Marab would shoot in. And if he didn't get the takedown, he'll throw a couple knees. Then he'll break with an elbow strike or a hook that he actually caught mm-hmm. on um, Aldo. But then from there, um, very competitive fight, I thought, for the most part. But you could clearly tell who was winning, which was Marab. Um, easily yeah easily in my in my book as well like aldo had no answer for what mirab was doing yeah so with that being said going into this one it's an interesting stylistic fight because jan is not even if he does press forward against um mirab i think it's gonna be very difficult to do that against a guy who's constantly threatening to take down this similar to the way i do it um Marab is a little bit different the way he does his approaches with his entries. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of up and down, up and down, and then he'll bomb you with something, or you think he's going to bomb you, and then he'll shoot. So that makes it a little bit more tricky where me, I'm kind of like just waiting for the perfect opportunity to shoot, level change, and get in um, off of my kicks, off of my punches, chain it all up, some level changes, but the way we do it is similar but kind of different. Mm-hmm. Um This uh, can Piotrion go 0 and 4? 0 and 4? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but dude, I saw I saw like a tweet or something where they were saying like Marab could beat Peter Jan and people will still think Peter Jan's the best in the weight class. Yeah. Because they're sick. Because it's like you some of you guys are sick. <laughs> it's like what the hell? If Marab beats Peter Jan. Marab is the number one contender by a mile. Yeah. Because then Marab actually beats Peter Jan, and O'Malley arguably beat Peter Jan. Marab, and Marab's on an eight-fight win streak if he beats Peter Jan. So then it's like he should – Holy shit. So it's like he's the – it's like I feel like Marab deserves the next title shot, and then it's like O'Malley and then everyone else. Before the Aldo fight, he was tied with me at seven. Then he won, and then I won, so mm-hmm. we were both tied at eight. Right. Yeah, because they said it before that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is this your king? Peter Jan. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Jan is good. And I'm, I know I'm sitting here, I'm joking in hindsight. Like, just imagine he had a layup of a win where I came in as a skeleton shell of myself and one knee caused the entire algorithm to get thrown off. <laughs> Bro. Because this guy didn't know the rules. Bro, Come on, if, if Peter Jan doesn't throw that knee, the world is a different place today. Both of our worlds are different. Just cars would be flying. We'd have, we'd have men on Mars already. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Russia would be a metropolis. This, the whole world would be a different place. Elon Musk would be president. Fucking, but now you're champion. The fight game is crazy, so man. So thanks, Peter Jan. What I will say is, like, 
we got two of the best guys in the world. When Marab beats Piotr Jan, we will both be hands down literally number one and number two in the world. But what are the odds of that shit? That doesn't happen. In the same gym, in the same weight class, what are the fucking odds? Same fucking win streak? That shit don't happen. And I know people are in the comments or listening, oh, you didn't beat him. And you didn't beat him the first time you were gifted. Shut up. Don't blame it on me. Charge it to the game. I didn't make the rules, and I didn't make the guy throw the knee. Hey, And, and you beat him. And I beat him in a rematch. What more do you – full belly Aljo won. At the end of the day, half half full starving Aljo was trash. Full belly Aljo won the fight. Fuck. But, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Stylistically, like, <laughs> what does Marab have to do to get the dub? I think what he always does, keep the pressure, make sure he's focused, dialed in for five rounds. And on top of that, Jan does some tricky things that he's going to have to look out for. And Jan does have good hips, but I think he sprawls so hard sometimes that it actually backfires mm -hmm. on him. Um, because some of those striking combinations that I was landing was because he was biting so hard on the level changes. Mm. And then he'll get out of position where I can land his combination. There was one sequence someone had clipped out and posted. I think it was the second takedown I got on Jan. Mm. Um, so it's like little things like that. And then on top of that, I took him down in rounds four as well. And then he uh, he reversed me and ended up on top. And I took him down round five. So I got five. I got four takedowns on him in that fight, and only two of them accounted. And people keep talking about the takedown attempts. Marab for Aldo. It does not matter how many takedown attempts there are, and how many of them you actually get. Mm -hmm. All that matters is are you fighting my style of fight? And for this, Marab needs to make sure he fights his pace of fight. Slow down, slow him down by taking away his offense with his shots, um, his punches, his unorthodox striking that he just throws some wild stuff sometimes to keep Jan guessing. And then when Jan tries to be super technical, it'll leave those wild strikes, some openings and some room for him to set things up to get those takedowns or just to get the entry and push him against the cage, drop a couple strikes, push off, go back and do that again. And it's not Marab's job to get off the cage. It's Piotr's job to get off the cage and to do damage. Marab's job is to put him on the cage, do damage, try to take him down, do damage, and that's going to be the tempo of the fight. He's going to have to fight Marab's fight the entire time. This is a dangerous fight for Marab, but this is just as dangerous of a fight for Piotr Jan. When you're at the top of the game, it's a game of inches. Marab just needs to be super dialed in, and I think he has the blueprint already on how to beat him. He's got a striker's blueprint from Sean O'Malley. He's got a wrestler's blueprint from myself. And he He's, has your all the data you have from fighting him twice. Yeah, all the things I've looked at. in his corner. Yeah. That's fucking insane. You know, so I think um, Giannis game, tough opponent, but I think it's going to be a tough one for him to have to deal with. Facts. And uh, do you think, who do you think it, it's a it's a main event, so it's five rounds. Who do you think that benefits more stylistically, Marab or Peter Jan? I'm I'm going with Marab. I think so. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting because um, Marab has never done five rounds straight sparring with me. Um, he would always do two or three, or he will do one, then switch, then one, and then switch, and then one coming back for my fifth round mm -hmm. and getting a rest so that he could give me a hard push in those rounds that he would jump in with. So hopefully 
I think I'd be good enough to train with him and give him some rounds, give him some looks, and I could beat Piotrion because I could imitate that guy to a T. And uh, I think I'd be able to give him a lot of those technical kicking stuff, keeping the high guard, and giving Rob some real life situations where he can see it so that when it happens in the fight, it's like, oh, I've seen this a hundred times already. Mm -hmm. This is just like, it's going to be like super slow motion for him. Yeah. Marab, when he got the call from his manager <laughs> to offer him this fight, Marab was like, who, Peter Jan? I fuck him up. I fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hangs up the phone. He's like, bro, did you hear that? They offered me Peter Jan. I said, I fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. So Marab's fucking game for this shit, dude. Yeah. I know he's excited for it. Too. Yeah. Um. So do you want to answer questions? Yeah, let's get into these three right. questions. Fucking. So I put up a Q&A on the Weekly Scraps Instagram page. Go follow us there. Um, that's where we'll do the Q the, that's where we'll open up questions for Q and a from now on. So that's the weekly scraps on Instagram. We got a shit ton of questions. Actually, I'm going to start with a question that Aljo left himself. <laughs> how much to teach me how to fight? I, I don't even know what you mean by that. <laughs> I don't know. I was just joking. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll move on. Is March 4th date not happening anymore? Um, it doesn't seem like it is. As of the way things are going right now, we're supposed to wait to the end of the week to make an official decision, mm -hmm. but um, I saw the other title fight for Valentina, so it looks like they're going to just do the, those two title fights and probably push me to another card, mm -hmm. which will probably be August, August, April 8th. Wow. So they're not going to do a uh, potential interim fight? Um, we'll see. I still got to get through this these next two weeks of PT and then... Give him an official decision and go from there. Cool. Like I said, I want to fight Henry. Um, I think that if there's any a good time to get him, it's right now. I don't know. Some people might say, oh, you want to get him because he's... Uh, I sh which one is it? Do I fight him because he's a GOAT? Am I running away from him because I'm scared? Do I want to fight him because I want the easier way? Like, he doesn't, you can't win with this. Yeah. It's it's absolutely kind of absurd. Yeah. Um, What advice do you give someone starting out in MMA and wants to get to the UFC, etc. I was say you should probably read their handle too. Oh, oh uh, it's J Torres dot underscore underscore. Um, what advice would I give them to someone starting out in MMA and wants to get to the UFC? I will say to get to MMA, to get into MMA, and then to get into the UFC, you gotta be a student of the game. That's one. You have to be willing to wrestle, and I would suggest wrestling in high school and in college, even if you don't have like the desire to want to um, compete all that much in, in college. I think just having that type of experience, that level of pushback, even if it's just being in the training room as a practice body, going out and then competing, it's going to give you that extra edge, man, because wrestling is something about the mental toughness that you cannot teach in any other sport, at least from my understanding, from what I've experienced. I don't think I could. I don't think I could have gotten that anywhere else the way I've gotten that from wrestling. Interesting. And to get to the UFC, you got to take the right fights, and be enough, be humble enough to understand that yeah, you could believe in yourself, but there is a such thing as taking the right fight at the right times, and not trying to take on the baddest guy right out of the gate. Like eventually, you got to fight everybody. Okay, okay, okay. But if you're trying to get to the UFC, why am I as a debut guy going to want to fight the guy who's has who's 8-0 or who's 
eight and four, has that many more fights than I do. I don't think unless you're a freak of nature coming out the gate, I don't think those are the competitions you want right out of the gate. You want to make sure that you are grooming yourself for success. And then after like two, three fights, maybe four, you see where you're at and you got to be honest with yourself. And then you can make that jump to the next style, the next level of competition. Styles make fights, experience makes fights, and you need to have that under your belt because when you get to the UFC, if you're not one of their guys that they want to push and give you the royal treatment of giving you tailor-made matchups, dude, you're going to have a tough time because you are going to get thrown to the wolves and everyone is good once you get here. Facts. Um, Pioga said, your workout plan? So what's your workout plan? <laughs> Such a vague question, bro. <laughs> Um, my workout plan, at least when I'm in training camp, I I lift Monday mornings, and then at night I do a Shark Tank grappling session. It's two workouts that day. I don't really run all too much. Tuesday I do jiu-jitsu in the morning or at night, and then um, or I do boxing or striking drilling with combo for combo, combo for combo, kind of a Dutch-style drill. And then at night I'll do boxing. So I'll do that in the morning, the combo drill, Dutch-style drill, boxing at night or jiu-jitsu at night. Or I do the other one. I said jujitsu in the afternoon and then boxing at night. So it just really depends. Wednesday is usually a drill day, or sometimes I take it completely off and just more of an active recovery rest day. Um, Thursday is a spar day. Sometimes I'll do a drill in the morning and then spar at night, or I'll spar in the morning and then do drilling at night. Friday I do jujitsu in the morning, and then I usually do nothing at night. And then Saturday I spar, and then Sunday is a rest day. Cool. Um, Nikki Laz 1010 said, what is the hardest part about the weight cut for you? The hardest part about the weight cut is having to go through your everyday life on little to no calories for the day and having to be productive. Like the last two weeks is usually the hardest. The last week is obviously the hardest, but the last two weeks is because you got to get through the training. Still, you got to keep your conditioning up. You got to keep um doing everyday things you can't just sit around all day and not get anything done sometimes i'm teaching class um not so much lately these days and then from there i would say seeing all the good food because you start to get like these cravings and you're just like i want everything but then you got to remind yourself in just two more weeks you can have whatever you want to have mm-hmm Fucking, yeah, like, the last week, it's literally, like, everything you eat, like, you know there's, like, a short lifespan where it's going to give you a little bit of energy, and then it just goes away. Yeah. Like, and you, everyone, like, you can see it, like, from my perspective, you can see it just, like, he'll have, like, a little bite of chocolate, and that'll give him, like, a little jolt for, like, a few minutes, but then he's burned those calories, and it's, like, you need to fill it with something, otherwise he's just miserable. Yeah, you burn those calories just breathing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I don't Crazy. know if you oh one one kid asked like twenty questions. He he get yeah, he, like he one. gets one. Yeah. Um I like this one. If they make an interim against Cejudo and Sugar Tits, who wins? What's his name? J my bad. JL dot wavy. I've actually recognized that name. I he said I think Sean by TKO. I think people are underestimating Sean still. And I think people are overcrediting Henry. And I get why, because of the accolades. One's accomplished, one is still trying to prove himself. But when you look at purely the skill, it's a relatively close fight. Henry's good on the ground and getting you to the ground, but after that, what does he do? You have to look at all those things. 
the KO factor is more so there for me with um, Sean O'Malley. But we have seen O'Malley fold and tap out in a fight before um, because he got punched in the back of the head, which was like the softest punch I think I've ever seen. And I was like, if you can call me an actor for being blasted in the head with a knee and that's not acting, wow. Talk about bias. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we've seen him quit before. He hasn't quit ever again since then. I mean, the Cheeto fight was interesting because it felt like once things weren't going his way, he kind of pulled, fell on the ground and then kind of just, I felt like he just kind of rolled over. Like, your ankle has nothing to do with your hands. You could have tied him up. It looked like he didn't really know what to do there, but obviously that was a couple years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. So I would lean on the side of Henry because of the accolades because he's proven, but I would not count out Sean O'Malley because I think the KO factor and the size advantage, really with the height, um, it makes it very, very interesting. But I would lean towards Henry just because I think he would outgrind him, push him against the cage, beat up his legs, go to the body. But then O'Malley just needs to land one. You saw that nasty knee. He landed in the third against Jan. Um, he lands that on Henry in a five-round fight. That could that could change a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, same guy asked uh, a really another really good question that I thought you'd want to answer. Uh, Figueredo said he's planning on moving up soon. So do you think he has a good chance against you? If Figgy wants to come up to 135 with the big boys, I will gladly remind him that there are weight classes for a reason. Gladly. I mean, what does this guy walk around that? People... I don't know. I mean, if he thinks he's really walking around all that heavy, I think it's just a lot of bloat. But uh, I think it would be a very good fight for myself. He fights really reckless. He commits his punches, though. Uh, that I do like, which makes him dangerous. But if Moreno choked you out, bro, <laughs> I'm just saying. Path of least resistance. Take him down, wrap him up, get him out of there. Uh, Nick DeLuca asks, what will Marab have to do in order to limit the movement of Jan? What movement? What <laughs> 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 does Jan move to? Jan goes straight forward and straight back. The most One of the most lineal, linear fighters I think I've ever seen mm -hmm. to get to the top of this division. It's actually mind-blowing how guys can't figure this out. If you cut an angle on him, he has a very difficult time trying to track you down because he overextends his punches a lot. And that takes him out of position. It still makes him dangerous because he'll throw super hard and he'll end it with a kick. And that still does some damage. Um, even if you block it, check it. But I think Marab uses his feints well. He's going to have him guessing so often that it's going to make him really hesitant about committing unless Jan is waiting and sitting to just time a knee. Because that is the one thing Jose Aldo had a lot of success with was the knees that landed to Marab's chest. And one of them looked really close to the, to the chin. Other than that, Jan, I mean, Marab pretty much ran away with that fight. So with that being said, I think Marab just has to be calculated in that regards, and I think he's going to have a good night. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do one more. All right. Um, this The one guy who asked, like, ten questions, he— No, no, good. Come on, give somebody else some shine. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. With uh, C. Sandino 01 said, with a win over Jan, do you see Marab getting a title shot? 
I mean, I feel like you've answered this before, but I I feel like Marab has to get the next title shot, and we'll see what happens with my next fight. I win. I plan on going up a weight class, and then I would have the most title defenses at 135 in history, which is crazy to me. I'm not even even thinking about that. I just want to win, um, and have a good performance. Um, Marab goes out there, he wins, and we're. Both in really good spots. But, again, he has to win. He beats this. They can't deny him. They can't say Jose Aldo retired. They can't say anything like that. He beats a contender. I think, rightfully, he should jump the line, especially if he has a more oppressive performance than O'Malley. I can't see how they can deny him a shot. The fact that O'Malley's above Marab in the rankings, to me, is insane. Yeah, I get why, because he beat Jan, who was former champ, fought for the title. Yeah. Be Jose Aldo. So in in theory, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, it's kind of like maybe I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. As always, guys, thank y'all for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the fights. Um, we're gonna clip this up. We'll have these in different segments so you guys can watch the ones you really want to listen to. And uh, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to drop a comment, like, subscribe, follow us. Um, Jake Fine Media, follow me as well, Funkmaster May. Follow the weekly scraps on Instagram. Tell your friends to tell a friend. And on YouTube, because <laughs> more content coming soon. Yes, sir. I hope you guys like the breakdowns, because that's going to be coming as well. Let's go. Um, Fuck yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Peace, baby.